Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from John's gospel. From John chapter 20, we're going to be reading verses 24 through 31. John 20, 30, 24 through 31. And I invite you to stand as you're able, in body or in spirit, for the reading of our gospel lesson this morning. But Thomas, who is called the twin, or the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. One of the more interesting sensations I think we can ever experience in life is that sensation that happens when we go from a, from a, a, a dark room and to walk outside, you know, or maybe, maybe if you're wearing sunglasses or something and you, you take your glasses off and suddenly you're, you're used to this darkness and you're kind of confronted with, with, with light. It, it kind of works both ways. You know, it, it's more painful. It's more painful whenever you are used to the darkness and then you walk outside to the light and you're confronted with the light and it kind of gets in your face. It's kind of painful, kind of hard to see. I know we've all been there. I remember one year we were taking, taking pictures from something, you know, um, with Easter last week. We took our, um, took our Easter pictures and I hope you, I hope you all, those of you who are friends with me on Facebook uh, and, and got to see, I mean, not to be cocky, but I mean, I looked good last week. I mean, I had on a bright pink jacket and Tim. I mean, I was, I mean, I was good looking. I mean, it was, my goal on Easter is to look like a human Easter egg. That's kind of what I go for every year is a human Easter egg. And so I, I got it. I got it. I, I felt like I, I felt pretty good about it. I, I had a lot of pink on last week. But you know how it is. You know, sometimes you're trying to take pictures and you're staring right in the sun. So you sit there and you have your eyes closed and y'all open your eyes and that gets you in the face. It's, it's just kind of, it kind of hurts, doesn't it? So we're used, we're used to that or we know that experience when you're staring and when you're used to the darkness and then you're in the light and it kind of hurts a little bit. Um, it goes the other way. If you're used to the sunlight, if, you, if you're outside and you suddenly walk into a dark room, you know, it takes your eyes a little bit of time to adjust then too, doesn't it? You know, it's not quite as irritating or painful, but those first few seconds to minutes when you're walking around a dark room after being outside, it takes you a little bit of time to, to kind of get everything adjusted uh, to, to the life that you find yourself in or, or the lack of light that you find yourself without. We tend to always adjust to things, don't we? You get used to what you're around. You know, like one of the reasons why Tim does not laugh at my jokes a lot is because I'm, I'm pretty funny. And, you know, he's used to this high level of comedy 
all the time. And it just, you know, for the average person not getting to be around my wits and the same level that Tim is, you know, uh, we all uh, we all kind of adjust to our scenario. I've always heard that a, a goldfish is a fish that will adjust to the size of the area you put it in. So I would, I've always wanted to see like a five-foot goldfish or something, see when the goldfish is in one of those really big places and just see how, how big it can go. We tend to adjust to what we see. We tend to adjust to what we know. That's ordinary. That's the way life works. We get used to things, don't we? There's a reason why ruts are called ruts. We get stuck in a rut. We get used to what it is. And that becomes kind of what we expect. I think that's been what's so disconcerting about where we found ourselves these last few weeks is uh, it's been different. And our normal looks different. I've heard a lot of people joke that they look at them throughout the day saying, wait, why are you still here? Shouldn't you be at work? You know, we get used to things, things change and it's really disconcerting when things change. Thomas in the text we read, I, I, he had gotten used to normal. I love Thomas, y'all. Thomas is one of my favorite characters in all the Bible because I think, I think one of the most important things we need to understand about Thomas is how often in our life do we allow our worst moment or allow someone else's worst moment to be the thing that defines them? In John chapter 11, Thomas tells the disciples, let us go with Jesus that we may die with him. But no one calls him brave, Thomas, do we? No, no, no. We don't call him brave, Thomas. We call him doubting, Thomas, because of this moment that we read today. But here's the thing. I, I, I get, even in this doubting, I think we're, diff, we're too rough on Thomas. Let's, let, let's, just, let's just think about what Thomas experienced. Let's think about what his eyes had adjusted to. He knew he knew that Jesus was dead. He'd seen him betrayed. He'd seen him turned over by Judas to the Romans. And then he, like most of the other disciples, he ran. But Thomas knew that Jesus was dead. The cross was, me, me and Tim were joking before service today. Uh, my granny when um, about this time of year, or at some point, I guess maybe it was late in the year, at some point in the year, my granny would shoot a crow and would hang that crow from the pecan tree. I think she did it later in the year. And I think she did it as a warning to the other crows, don't mess with my pecans. If you mess with my pecans, I'm going to get you. At least that's what I told myself she's doing. I don't really know why she did it. I just knew she did it. Rome put people on the cross as a public spectacle. They wanted you to know what was going on. They wanted you to understand what was happening. The crucifixion was a visible means of execution. Notice they crucified Jesus outside the city gate. They wanted everybody to know what was happening. They wanted you to understand that this individual, because of their actions, was being put to death. They wanted it to be plain and understood for all the world to know what was happening here. The cross was a visible and bloody and awful means of execution, and Rome did it in this way for a reason and for a purpose. They wanted you to know. So Thomas, this is what he knew. He knew that Jesus had been betrayed. 
by one of his friends. And he knew, he knew that Jesus had been executed. And he knew that he'd been taken down from the cross, put in the tomb. That's what he knew. That's what he had heard. That's what he had experienced. That's what he knew. His eyes had adjusted to that new reality into that new darkness, if you will. That's what he had adjusted to. That's what he knew. And so now, these disciples say he's risen from the dead? Folks don't do that. They obviously must have lost their minds. Or they must have wanted it too bad. So you say, you say he's alive? Okay, sure. But this is what I know. This is what I know. He's dead. And dead men don't come back to life. That's why they're dead men. That's not the way life works. Thomas had adjusted to the new reality. His eyes had adjusted to the darkness of that room. You can say he's alive. Sure, that's crazy talk. And if that's what you need to tell yourself to sleep at night, if that's what you need to tell yourself to get over your pain, that's fine. But Thomas knew that Jesus was dead because that was the truth. That's what everybody saw. That's what everybody experienced. And we don't have time in life for those wishful, foolish thinkers like these disciples who say he's alive. We don't have time for that. We know the truth. He's dead. Move on. Move on. The dream didn't work. It didn't happen. He's been killed. Let's move on. So Thomas says, okay, sure, he's alive. But unless I can see it, unless I can put my hands there, unless I can experience it, I'm not believing this. Not happening. Doubting Thomas, he becomes. But here's the thing. I, I, I identify with Thomas. I get it. This whole faith business can be hard sometimes. Sometimes it just seems easiest. And seems best, seem best to adjust to what we know. This whole leap of faith business. I don't know about that sometimes. I, I, I understand, Thomas. I, I get it. And if I'm be honest with you, sometimes I got a lot of Thomas in me. Uh, I believe, but Lord help my unbelief. I believe. For a little bit, a little bit of evidence, be nice. I believe, but uh, I still want to touch the, the spots and experience it. It's funny, Holly. Uh, the Lord knew what He was doing when He get, when we got married, because Lord knows I've needed her my whole life. But I'm the overthinker and the worrier and the doubter and all that. And she just has this faith. 
She just has this faith. And she has been the one so often in my life that just says, it's funny, I'm the preacher. You think I just have this stuff figured out, right? She's the one that says, no, Andy, God's got this. We just need to believe. And he does. He, he, he's never failed us yet. He's not going to start. But I know that I sometimes identify more with Thomas. Thomas had adjusted to the new reality and needed to experience Jesus. I think we've all kind of adjusted to our new realities now, haven't we? We've all kind of uh, walked from, <laughs> literally gone from the outside to the inside, haven't we? You know, we've all kind of adjusted to where we find ourselves, haven't we? We have our daytime pajamas and our nighttime pajamas. This is the reality we find ourselves in. And we, 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 we've kind of gotten our routines now. Have we? I know I have my routines. I know you have your routines. We've kind of we've gotten to our routines this moment. We kind of know what to expect day to day. We kind of know that if you have kids, they're going to want snacks roughly 45 to 50 times an hour. And we're used to that now. Uh, we've gotten used to this. And that's, that's good. We need the regularity and the normalcy. I, I, like, I like routines. It's good to have those routines. So we've kind of gotten used to where we find ourselves. Many of us are fortunate that we can telecommute to work. Many of us uh, have been spending a lot of time with our kids, getting them into school. Many of us just spend a lot of time on the phone with our parents. We've learned, we've learned how to Zoom with our families, haven't we? We, we? We've gotten used to this new normal right now. And that's great. It really is. But it's easy to lose hope sometimes too, isn't it? You watch the news and you want to lose hope. You read on Facebook and you want to lose hope. And we could feel like Thomas. Yeah, I know everybody says it's going to be fine. I, I know it's going to be fine. But here's all I know. I'm working eight hours a day, and then I got to teach my kids, and I'm exhausted. Our teachers are trying to teach other people's kids, and then their own kids. And then, and then we put the kids to bed, and we start fooling with our budget, and we get scared. And then we hear about friends that are sick. And then we worry about this, we worry about that. I don't know, I know the preacher man says it's going to be okay. I don't know. Just like all Thomas saw was that Jesus was nailed to a cross and was killed, and now all these folks are saying he's alive? I don't know about that. I know the preacher says it's going to be okay. I know he says that. But I'm sick of being stuck in this house. And I love my spouse, but not that much. We need our own, we need to social distance from family sometimes now, at least we feel like, don't we, sometimes. And boy, what I wouldn't give for a good Chinese buffet right now. What I wouldn't give for the lack of fear about the economy. Or what I wouldn't give to not worry if the mailman had coughed before he put the mail in the mailbox or what I wouldn't give 
to just not feel like this. And the preacher says it's going to be okay. He says it's going to be okay. But I don't know that I feel it right now. I think we're going to be honest. We all got a lot of Thomas in us, don't we? Notice what Jesus did when Thomas, when he appeared to him. Notice what he did. Jesus appears, says, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt but believe. Did Jesus say, Thomas, you big dummy? Come on, you big dummy. I told you. Did Jesus fuss at him? No, of course not, because Jesus loved him. He loved him. He said, Thomas, come here. Come experience. Come touch and feel and see that I am alive. Come and experience this. Come and experience. Come and encounter me right now and see that I'm alive, that I've overcome even death. Jesus wasn't mad at him. Jesus didn't fuss at him. Jesus wasn't disappointed in him. Jesus loved him. He wanted to provide for Thomas what he needed in this moment. The next few weeks going, leading up to Pentecost, we're going to be looking at different encounters that individuals have with Jesus. Thomas, in the po after Easter, post-Easter encounters with Jesus. Thomas, the walk to Emmaus, Peter, others. Thomas encountered Jesus. And Jesus was the thing that brought his eyes back to sight. The light of the world was who helped Jesus, who, was, who helped Thomas see correctly. When Thomas encountered Jesus, Thomas then saw right. His faith was restored. His life was restored. His hope was restored. When Thomas encountered Jesus in this moment, then he believed. And friends, right now, right now, in the midst of too much stress and too much worry and too much anxiety and too much fear and too much doubt, what we all need right now is to encounter Jesus. Scripture is full of waiting full of people waiting for something else. We're waiting for normalcy. We're waiting to get to leave our house. We're waiting to get back to life. The scripture's full of that. And you know what you find over and over and over again in the midst of waiting? You find that God shows up. So when the children of Israel were in the wilderness wandering and waiting to go into the promised land, what do they have? The tabernacle. They had the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. God was present with them in their waiting. When Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days, God was there through the prayer. So often, over and over and over again in Scripture, when people are waiting, God shows up. Thomas right now encountered Jesus. And friends, right now, right now, God wants to encounter you. The same risen Christ who came to Thomas and said, touch my wounds, touch my wounds. 
experience it. It's the same risen Christ who comes to us now and says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. But we got to be looking. He's there. But we got to be looking. We got to be looking through Scripture. We got to be looking through worship. We got to be looking through community and through connection. I know our eyes, our eyes want to adapt to this reality of fear and of doubt and of worry and of anxiety and a reality. We think God is not with us. But friends, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the resurrected Christ is with us even now. If we will look, he is there. Where do you see him now? It's easy for us to lose hope. It's easy for us to lose hope. I shared with Bible study Wednesday night, we were talking about uh, hope in Romans chapter 8. And um, one of my favorite movies ever, if you've, if you've ever been flipping through the cable, I'm sure you've ran upon it. One of my favorite movies ever is Shawshank Redemption. By the way, favorite movies, non-Star Wars division, non-Godfather division. We've got to put those two off to the side because, you know, you know, Star Wars. Come on, seriously. I mean, you know, I'm looking at my best friend Yoda out in the out in the congregation right now. I mean, come on. So you got you got to, you take your Star Wars off the table. You take your Godfather off the table. And there's there's Shawshank. Great great movie. Yeah, yeah. Trust me. If you've had cable, you've seen Shawshank Redemption. But I just love I love how it's a story of hope, and how you have Red who wants to give up hope because his eyesight had adjusted to prison to prison. His eyes had adjusted to the reality that he knew. And Andy had hope, had hope. There's this great scene from about the first part of the movie, about the middle of the movie, I guess, where Andy is able to, to, to play this opera singer over the loudspeakers in prison. And in the, after he, they bust in and take him out, he gets put in solitary confinement for a while. And he tells the boys after he gets out that it was the easiest time he ever did because he had the music with him. They said, they let you take the record player in there with you? He said, no, I had it. I had it in here. I had it in here. And there's beautiful things out there. We can't lose hope, though, that we're going to see him again. And then Red says, Hope's, hope will drive a man crazy. And he said, hope's a good thing, the best of thing. And no good thing ever dies. We have hope. The devil loves to wrong us of hope. The devil has just about robbed Thomas of his hope. But Thomas encountered Jesus. And Jesus restored his sight, restored his faith, and restored his hope. Today, Jesus wants to encounter you today. So here's what I want you to do this week. Here's your homework. I want you to think about where you see God. I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down where you encounter the resurrected Christ. I want you to write it down. Put a note in your Bible. If you just sit in my desk at the office, you open up one of the drawers. I have, a, I have a ton of letters that I've been given throughout the years of people who have written to me and, t and told me how they've experienced God through me. I've kept those letters as a reminder that God's at work. So I want you to remember 
where you've seen God. I want you to write it down, and I want you to tell somebody. The best part of Holy Week for me last week was our love feast on Thursday night, where me and my family sat down and just talked about where we'd seen God. Write down where you've seen him and tell somebody about it. Because right now, when you, ex- when you in- experience God, when you experience the resurrected Christ, your sight's restored. But y'all, there's a bunch of Thomases out there. There's a bunch of Thomases out there that have not yet experienced him, that have not yet seen him. And we can be like these disciples and say, no, no, no. We've encountered Christ, and we can awaken that within them. So tell somebody where you've seen him. Tell somebody how you've experienced him. Tell somebody how he's restored your hope. Tell somebody where you have seen the resurrected Christ. And we know, we know that he is with us. And we know that the best is yet to come. Don't lose hope. Don't lose sight. Don't lose faith. The resurrected Christ stands here ready to encounter us. May we have the grace today and each day to see him and to tell somebody about him. Let's pray.